children, you're dismissed for a children's church at this time. And if you would stand up and greet one another, uh, just so I can get changed, that'd be great. It's like, it's all. Um, I don't know, man. Good morning. Y'all can take a seat. A lot of loving. Y'all can have a seat as we begin this morning. I feel like a back in middle school with a headpiece for my braces on this morning so we uh, tried to fix the mic so it wouldn't continue to fall off and now I just feel like a middle school boy with uh, braces again so I'll sit up here in my insecurities this morning it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning amen already God has been faithful and good to us through a baptism and through uh, John your song uh, so true it's if it wasn't for God's grace uh, there's no telling where we'd been I don't want to know where we'd be without God's grace and so I want to continue that theme for us this morning, just the grace of God on our lives. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for what you're doing already in our midst. Young Jackson, him professing his faith in you, and now today uh, being baptized. I pray for him continually, God. I pray for us as a church, God, that we'd continue to see the miracles that you are doing in our midst. We're so grateful for you. It's because of you, uh, just like John just saying, your grace. Uh, what a beautiful thing. I pray that we would never take your grace for granted. I pray that you'd lead us and guide us today in this uh, time in your word, uh, that it would continue to transform us and mold us, 
become more and more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in Christ's mighty name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be continue our series this morning through the Sermon on the Mount. This next few weeks, we're in the section called the Beatitudes. We looked last week at the Beatitudes, at that one word, uh, blessed. Blessed is going to run a theme through the, the Beatitudes. And it's not this idea that you'll be happy that uh, when we live out the Sermon on the Mount or that we live out the Beatitudes that we're happy. Uh, that's not what it's talking about here. That word blessed means to be approved by God, that there's an approval stamped on us as believers in Christ when we declare Him as Lord and Savior of life, that there's an approval that comes with that. And out of that, we then go to live our lives a certain way. If you remember in chapter 4, uh, Jesus had come and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so this idea, the Sermon on the Mount is about us as believers, not unbelievers, but believers, how we are to live out our day in and day out lives as we profess him to be uh, Christ followers. And so for us this morning, it means this Sermon on the Mount is about what does it mean for us to be kingdom citizens? That's kind of the, 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 the theme we'll run with for the rest of this series. What does it mean for us? to be kingdom citizens. If you were with us last week, we looked at the first one, and the Beatitudes build on top of each other. They cannot be taken out of order. We cannot live out the fourth Beatitude if we're not living out the first three Beatitudes. And so the first one, the foundation, is the idea that we are poor in spirit. If you were with us last week, the poor in spirit meant that we are needy. We are in great need of God every day, not just in our salvation to be uh, justified before a holy God through Christ Jesus, but it's for our ongoing sanctification with him. It's our neediness. I need God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, just as much today as I did when I came to know him uh, back in high school. I need him to live out this practical way of living called the Christian life. Uh, we are needy, and so for us, are we poor in spirit? Do we live in uh, that state every moment of every day? declaring our great need for a holy, redeeming God. And then we'll get to today's message. Today's message comes out of that. And so if you look last week, the idea was last week was kind of the gateway to the kingdom. And so we get to the kingdom of God. There's the gateway. The way we get to the gateway is through poverty, being poor in spirit. And now the key, if you will, the key into that kingdom, the key that unlocks the door for us is this beatitude, uh, the second beatitude which is in verse 4 of chapter 5. Uh, let's read it together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So what does that mean? What is God, through Christ Jesus, saying to us this morning about mourning? There's a lot of mourning uh, in, in the world. Uh, and, but yet we live in a world that says to us, that's countercultural to that. The world tells us not to be in mourning, right? And so we spend all this amount of money for what? So that we can be happy. We looked all around. Just yesterday, I was, uh, I just drove around. I was downtown Nashville. I went to a coffee shop in Nashville with some friends. I went to Target. I, I went to some other places. And all this consumption of product, and a lot of times the consumption of product is to move away from mourning into happiness. Uh, uh, I'll tell this story. I might get in trouble from Jenny, but that's all right. Um, I'll get in trouble. You won't. But yesterday, she, she knows I don't like cats. I've said that before from this pulpit, and so she... Uh, took our dogs to get groomed yesterday, and she sends me a text message. I'm br we're, we're now new cat owners. And in that moment, I thought, oh, no. Um, 
and uh, I was with Jared and started telling Jared, you know, if she brings a cat home, you know what I'm going to do, Jared? I'm going to go out and spend $1,000 on whatever I want because I wanted to move away from uh, mourning a cat coming into our house. I literally said that to Jared. And Jared, uh, in his great wisdom, said, man, that will really show her. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you're right. And so I kind of regrouped, and she came home with no cat, praise the Lord. But in that moment, I really wanted to use money to move away from something. I did not want to have feelings about something. And so that's so true in our world. The world is saying to us, do anything you can not to feel. Right? That's what, how we become drug addicts and alcoholics because there's a feeling that takes place and we want to run from those feelings and we'll do whatever we can to put ointment on the wound, on the pain, on the mourning. And yet Jesus says to us, we must be mourners. We must mourn well. You see, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes for us, are paradoxical. If you remember last week, he says that the poor become rich. Well, that doesn't make sense in our world. Uh, A plus B equals C. But if he's saying to us, the poor, if you have to be poor in order to be rich, well, that doesn't make much sense, right? And then he says to us here in this beatitude that you, if you mourn, you're comforted. Well, we live in a world that doesn't show that to us. And so what is Jesus saying to us about mourning this morning. You see, uh, there's a lot of ways to mourn. If you look at David, just the life of David himself. David himself was a great mourner. He mourned the loss of his friends. Uh, in uh, Psalms 109, 109 is talking about his friendship with one of his top advisors who had betrayed him. And so he says to God in his pain, in his mourning, about his pain, about being alone and being afraid. We know David was rejected by his own friends, that a lot of the men that God called him to be with him at one moment turned from David and fled from David. Uh, there's other circumstances where David is discouraged. Um, he's hiding from Saul, and he becomes discouraged because Saul is coming after his life. And so psalm after psalm after psalm is about this great man, David, who's in mourning all over the place. If you remember his sin with Bathsheba in chapter 51, he talks about his son dies, and he's in mourning about that. But in chapter 51, near the bottom, we'll see what mourning God is talking to us about this morning. It's, God is not saying that for us, yes, we must mourn the loss of our friends, we must mourn the loss of encouragement. But what God is saying here for us in this beatitude is that we must be mourners over sin. Do we mourn over our sin this morning? Because we can mourn over everything else, but if we don't mourn over sin, there's something that has not been changed in our hearts. You see, one of the great theologians says this. He says, this, this, what breaks God's heart breaks your heart. If you know the heart of God, the heart of God was broken over sin. That is the one thing that he was broken about. That's the one thing that he sent Christ to redeem. His heart for the lost people his heart for his chosen people. You see, God himself mourned over sin. And because of that mourning, he made a way for us not to have to stay in sin. And so for us this morning, as we continue this passage of Scripture, what does mourning look like in our lives for sin? I'll get to this story at the very end, but uh, Chuck Colson said this about the church and about sin. 
He said so few pastors, preachers talk about sin any longer. He says in that passage in the read, he says, because if pastors really began to talk about sin, the pews would thin out. And so pastors don't talk about sin. You see, sin is a grievous thing for the church. Sin is cancer to the church, and it must be dealt with. Because if sin is not dealt with, and we as the people of God do not mourn sin, sin will overtake us. We will not overtake sin. And so what is our attitude towards sin? What is our heart towards sin? Do we mourn over sin? Because God is saying through Christ Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 this morning, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So for us, what does that look like? I want to turn to several passages this morning. You see, uh, we'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. But David knew, and Jesus knew, and the the great uh, fathers before us knew that sin and blessedness cannot coexist. I'm not saying happiness, but if you live a sinful life, you will not live a joyous life. If you live a sinful life, you will not live a victorious life. If you do not live a sinless life, and I do not mean without sin, I mean the confession of sin. We'll get to that passage here in a moment. But do we live our lives confessing to the Lord Jesus our sin that we all have? Because if we do not, we will never be comforted. And that is what Jesus is saying here. If we are to be kingdom citizens, there will be a mark in our lives that mark us totally different than the world. It's called confession. Do we live lives of confession and honesty before the Lord? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So in order for us to live a victorious Christian life, in order for us to live a free life that Jesus Christ offers to us, this must be the life that we live. 2 Corinthians chapter Verse, chapter 7, verse 10. Paul says this to the Corinthian church. For godly grief or godly sorrow or godly mourning, if you will. For godly grief produces what? A repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. I believe the church is marked a lot by worldly grief not godly sorrow worldly grief is simply we're sorry we got caught if I had not gotten caught my life would still be the way it was going and so the world and the church historically has lived with this idea of worldly grief or worldly sorrow I'm just afraid if I just hadn't got caught and I will then change my behavior not to get caught again I will not change my behavior not to sin again I'll just do what I can to hide it and not to change it. That's what worldly grief is, worldly sorrow is, and what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying to us, it leads to death. You see, if I do not confess my sin to God ongoing, it will lead to death. And if I do not, as an unbeliever, come before a holy God and confess my sin to a holy God, that will lead to my spiritual death. I will be separated for all of eternity if I'm an unbeliever. I do not profess Christ as the faithful, holy, just God that he is, and confess my sin to him, I will die apart from Christ. The flip side to that is, though, as the church, as a believer this morning, if I do not do ongoing confession about my sin, I will spiritually die. I may not eternally die, but I will spiritually die. I will be a 
empty human being on this planet. I think that's what the church, the world is looking at the church for. So often the, the world is looking at the church as failures, and we've failed a lot. But what is our response to our failure? Is it true confession and honesty? Or is it worldly grief? Oh, man, we're just sorry we got caught. Or do we take ownership for our sin, the confession part of the sin, and then make a repentance? Repentance is turning 180 degrees from going this way. I was living my life this way. In repentance, I'm now going to live this way. I'm going to change the course of my life through repentance. You see, repentance will only come out of grief, out of sorrow. Are we sorry for our sins? Do we mourn for our sin? You know, Christ himself mourned for sin. Godly sorrow is linked to repentance, and repentance is linked to sin. And so if I am repenting, then I must be repenting of sin. Is that true for you? Is that true for me this morning? You see, the mark of a true citizen of God's kingdom is not sinlessness, but a true mark of a true kingdom citizen of God's kingdom is those who continue to confess their sin. Look at... Uh, John chapter, 1 John chapter 8 uh, with me briefly this morning. John, 1 John chapter 5, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. This is John writing, he says this, Excuse me, 1 John, verse 1, verse 8, or chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's where we must start. That's where, that's the beatitude, the first beatitude. The first beatitude is talking about that all of us in this room are sinners. Do we believe that this morning? You see, if we don't believe that, then we make God out to be a liar, because God says that there's sin in everyone. In Romans chapter 8. And so this morning for us, do we believe that we have sin in us? Because if we do not believe that we do not have sin, then the truth of God is not in us. And we would not be true believers, in my opinion. If we do not believe that we're sinful human beings this morning, we do not believe in a risen Christ. Verse 9, he says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins, and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. So for us this morning, do we believe that we have sin in our life, even as we sit in the pews this morning? Do we have sin in our life? The flip side of that verse is this. Do we do an ongoing confession of those sins? Are we in mourning over our sin? Do we mourn our sin? Do we know that sin is a thing that separates us from God, and that will break our hearts? You see, that's the first part of this verse. Do we mourn over sin? Do we mourn over our sin? Are we stricken to the heart because of our fallenness before a holy creator? You see, if we don't do that, then I don't believe the second half of what this word mourn means will ever come true for us. I think this is what is lacking in our church. It's the idea, do we mourn, not our church, but the church universal, do we mourn our sin? Because if we don't, we will not mourn the sins of the world. You see, mourning sin becomes a great witnessing tool to a lost world. Because do we believe that we have people all around us, maybe in our midst this morning in this church, that are lost 
in desperate need of a Savior because of their sin. It's their sin that causes them to be lost. It's their sin that separates them from a holy God. Do we believe that in the communities that God has placed around us? That there are lost people dying and going to hell every moment of every day all over the world. You see, it will only come out of do we mourn our own sin. Because if we do not mourn our sin, we'll never mourn the sins of the world the way Jesus himself did. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 19. You see, in Isaiah chapter 53, it talks about Jesus himself in verse 3, that Jesus himself was a man of deep sorrow, a man of great grief. Well, he was not grieving his own sin because we believe that Jesus Christ had no sin, never sinned. So what was Jesus in such sorrow for? This is what he tells us. It's a snapshot into his heart this morning in Luke chapter, Luke, Luke chapter 19. verses 41 through 44 it said this and when he Jesus drew near and saw the city he wept over it here's Jesus he comes on here's the picture I have that Jesus is coming up on the ridge of this mountain and he overlooks the city of Jerusalem and when he gets to the peak of it to the crest of it he overlooks the city and all of a sudden his grief is overwhelming to him and he falls and he begins to weep over the city he says this in verse 42 would that, you, would that you, even you, have known on this day the things that make for peace, but, you now that, but now that they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and your children within you. And you will leave no stone upon one another because you did not know the time of your visitation what Jesus is saying there there is an enemy and he's going to attack you and you will die and it's he's talking about their spiritual death that's what gave Christ the heart to weep over the city there's another passage in in Luke that talks about Jesus overlooks this city and he begins to weep again and he says they're, they're like hens without a mother chicken to protect them you are like a sheep without a shepherd he says and that's what breaks the heart of God does it break our heart? Does the sins of the world break our heart? Do we really believe that people are dying and going to hell and spending eternity all day for the rest of eternity apart from Christ because of their sin? Does that break our hearts this morning? I hope it does. Because if it breaks our heart, then we have the gift that is salvation to give to other people. Are we, get, are we taking the gift of our salvation that Christ entrusted us with and we mourn over our sin, and therefore we mourn over the sins of this community. You see, that's where it will start for us. Do we live in deep mourning this morning? First for our sin, and then for the sins of the world. Because the next half of this verse will not matter to any one of us. You see what he says in Matthew chapter verse 4 is this blessed are those who mourn approved are those who mourn is your life and is my life marked with mourning this morning 
Is our heart broken wide open before a holy God this morning? Are we asking God through his revelation to us to purge the sin out of our life this morning? Are we asking him to go to those places of our heart that have remained hidden from God for a long time and asking for what only the Holy Spirit can do, and that's to bring conviction this morning? Conviction is not a pleasant thing, but it's a needed thing. See, it's our conviction from the Holy Spirit that will force us into repentance. You see, and it's in the moment of repentance that the rest of this verse follows. If there is no repentance in your life, there will be no comfort in your life. And so for us, before we go on to the next half of this message, for each one of us this morning, is there things or something in your life that you must confess to God this morning? That you would ask God this morning to purge it out of your heart. That you this morning would be broken by only what the Holy Spirit can do. And you would be broken because of your sin this morning. Do we realize our sin is what separates us from a holy God? Our sin is what separates us from a relationship with an eternal Father. And yet, do we believe that we have a God who sits on the throne and is offering forgiveness if we come to him through repentance? You see, because the second half of the verse will come true. For they, circle the word they. The word they means the ones that mourn. Only those that will mourn, the rest of this passage will happen to. You will not, I will not be comforted if I do not mourn. That's what that word they means. They, what shall be. That word shall be in, in the Greek is this idea of instantaneous that it's not this waiting game that we're waiting to be comforted. The moment of our repentance, there is comfort that comes. And though our feelings may not change, our eternity changes. And so we will, in the moment of our repentance, be comforted by a holy God. And so the second half of that second half is this. You shall be in this very moment this morning, in your repentance, you will leave here comforted this morning. I'm not saying you'll leave here feeling good this morning. I know in the times of my life when I've come to a place of true repentance that has not been comfortable. I have not wanted to go do backflips down uh, the hallway. Why? Because when I come to repentance, then I really fall on my face before God and I really begin to mourn over what my sin has done to myself and other people. You know, I'll never forget that moment for me, there's been several moments, but one that really sticks out is about seven years ago, almost to the day. It's, I was it at home, and I had had a hidden sin in my life for about 15 years since I was in middle school. And in that moment, Jenny saw some things on the computer that were heart-wrenching to her. And it, at first, I wanted to cover it up. And then the Holy Spirit began to crush my spirit, my heart, and began to bring what only he can do is, that's true repentance, true sorrow, true guilt. And I began to weep uncontrollably, not in front of Jenny, but before a holy God. Because of what I had done. Because of my sin and what my sin had done before a holy God and how my sin then had marred my relationship with Jenny. And it was about the next 48 hours, all I did was just weep before a holy God. I was not weeping that I got caught. I was so grateful that I had finally gotten caught, that I was finally free from this bondage of sin. 
I just remember crying out to God and just praying to God, please forgive me, God. Please forgive me, God. And it wasn't until I was on an airplane to go to rehab that the Holy Spirit kind of descended on me and brought me comfort. I spent the next 85 days in treatment. That was not comfortable. But for the first time in a long, long time, in my journey with Jesus, I felt freedom. I was truly free, that there was nothing that I was holding on to. The bag of sins that I had been carrying and hiding were finally cut. It was not I that did the cutting. It was not Jenny that did the cutting by seeing it. It was by the Holy Spirit grieving my heart and my repentance that cut the cords to the sin that brought me freedom that day. And so for us, we must confess our sin before a holy God. We cannot deal with our sin. It would be so nice. I, really, it drives me crazy when people say, well, it, it's about time you just forgive yourself. Well, that makes no sense with the gospel. If I forgive, forgive myself, I would not need the cross of Jesus Christ. Only Christ can forgive. I cannot forgive myself. And so this morning, if you're sitting here hoping that you can forgive yourself of your past sin, you cannot forgive yourself. There is only a holy God that can forgive you. And it comes through confession. It comes out of, and James says it, there's sometimes that our confession can't just be with God, but it has to be with those that we've harmed. We must confess our sins to the person that we've sinned against to make it right. So for us this morning, as we come to this close, do we believe that Jesus is the God of all comfort? Do we believe that Jesus will comfort us in this moment? But it will only start with our mourning. Let's read Matthew, and then I want to read you a story. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. know the passage well this is what Jesus says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest take my yoke my teaching my life upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light you see, the burden of sin is never light, and it's never easy. But through our confession, we can replace one yoke for the next. Will we live our lives of repentance today? I believe there's two things, probably 102 things, that will prevent us from mourning. The first one is this. Do we love sin more than we love God? You see, that's the great duper of Satan. That's the great duper of sin, that sin is fun. Anyone that says sin is not fun, well, why would we continue to do it? Sin is fun. But it's not life-giving. There's not enough sin to bring life, to bring fulfillment. And so for us this morning, do we love sin more than we love God? Do we love the sin that we hold on to more than we love God? Because if it's true, we will never come to true repentance. The second one is this, pride. Thinking that we are better than sin. Or saying to sin, oh, I could never do that. Do we look at other people who have sinned and said, oh, man, I'm glad I'm not that person. I want to read a story in closing. 
comes from Chuck Colson. This is what he said. He saw an interview with Mike Wallace on 60 Minutes several years ago, and I'll just read you the story. In his book of essays, Who Speaks for God, tells of a watching, Chuck Colson watching a segment of television on 60 Minutes in which Mike Wallace interviewed an Auschwitz survivor, uh, someone that survived the Holocaust, and he was a witness at one of the war crimes. And so this man is recounting this time that he is going to trial against one of the uh, Nazi Germany's uh, soldiers that put him into the concentration camp. And this is what happens to this man. During the interview, a clip from the trial in 1961 was viewed showing Dinar, that's the man, that's the Jewish man that was put into uh, the concentration camp. He entered the courtroom and coming face to face with his uh, soldier that put him into camp for the first time since being sent to Auschwitz almost 20 years earlier, he stopped cold dead in his tracks. And Dinar began to sob uncontrollably and then fainted while the presiding judge pounded his gavel for order. This is what Colson asked. Was Dinar overcome with hatred? Was he overcome with fear, with horrifying memories? No, none of these. Rather, the man Dinar explained to Wallace, all of a sudden, he realized that his, the man that put him in the camp was not the godlike army soldier who had sent so many to their death. This man was an ordinary man. And this is what Dinar says about himself when he remembers thanking and seeing this man for the first time and begins to weep and he faints. He said this, this is what caused him to begin to weep and to faint. He said, I was afraid of myself. I saw that I'm capable to do the same thing. I am exactly he. You see, it was his sin in this man, Dinar's sin, that for the first time in a long time, he said to himself, and I believe it's where we must start this morning. You see, this man had survived a concentration camp where he was going to die, and when he came in contact with the man who threw him in there, it wasn't the memories that threw him in uh, to faint. It wasn't the memories that caused him to sob uncontrollably. It was his heart. He began to mourn because he realized that this man that had done these heinous things to him, he was no different than. You see, sin, there's no difference in sin. Let's turn as we finish to Romans chapter 3. And so we could sit here this morning and say, oh, I'd never be like that, that guy. But we're all that guy. You see, that cross says that we're that guy. We've all been that guy. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do we believe that this morning? All of us in this room this morning, it does not matter what you've done this morning. From stealing a cookie to the cookie jar or if you've murdered someone, we are all the same. You see, God does not rank sin. He does not say, oh, some are worse than others. No, he's saying we're all the same this morning. Do we weep and mourn over our sin this morning? You see, if we've all fallen short of the glory of God, then we need a redeemer this morning. 
We need a redeemer to redeem us of stealing a cookie to killing someone. The redemption is all the same this morning. You see, the blood of Jesus on Calvary covered all of our sins this morning. Do we believe that? You see, when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, I pray it's not just a decoration in this church. I pray it's not just something that you wear around your neck, but I pray that it would be a reminder to all of us that we must mourn for our sin. It's because of the cross that reminds us of our sin. Do we mourn our sin this morning? And do we mourn the sins of the world this morning? The promise is from God, that when we mourn our sins and we mourn the sins of the world, we will be comforted. My prayer for us this morning, is there sin in your life that's unconfessed? That you'd come, the altars will be open this morning. That you'd come and you'd confess those to God. If you need to make it right with someone that you've sinned against in this place this morning, my prayer is that you'd go and make it right with them this morning. So that you would leave here with the comfort of God this morning. My prayer is that you would leave comforted Pray that we would not leave loving sin more than we love God or leave him with pride this morning. The pride that says, I, I can't get in front of people and confess my sin. I can't, there's no way I can walk the aisle and, and cry out to God. You see, Jesus hung on a cross in humility for you. We humble ourselves and confess our sins before a holy God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. so grateful for Calvary. I'm so grateful for the cross. I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to break my heart of uh, the sin that's in my life. Continue to reveal it to me, God. I pray for us as a church, God, that we would be a church that's known for mourning. We'd mourn our sins, God. And that we'd mourn the sins of the world, God. That we'd mourn the sins of those that are around us that are lost and desperate for you. God, I pray just like, like Jesus did. I pray that would be us. That we'd overlook the city and we'd weep. As we see sheep without a shepherd. God, I pray that when we really do mourn our sins that you, holy God, would stick to your promise and you'd bring us comfort. Comfort our hearts, God. Comfort our souls, God. Remind us of what Calvary's all about, and that's forgiveness. You are a great God that forgives. God, I pray if there's anyone in here that does not know you this morning as your, their Lord and Savior, that even this morning they would mourn their sin. They'd cry out to you and that you would Tell them that they're forgiven and they're set free. God, I pray for us this morning in here that are believers and there's things that we've been holding on to and have not confessed. God, I pray through the conviction of your Holy Spirit that we'd be convicted of the sin we hold on to. 
Continue to lead us as a church, God. Continue to guide us as a church. Make us a holy church. Set us apart because of the work of Calvary. So grateful for what you've done this morning in our hearts. Continue to do it. Praise in Christ's mighty name.